Welcome to Cape and Ray Hall, nestled in the beautiful landscapes between England's national parks. As a Bible school, we offer short-term courses aimed at fostering your spiritual growth and living in a community. Our historic manor house has something for everyone. You can enjoy indoor and outdoor adventures, connect with students from around the world, and learn how to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Search Cape and Ray England for more information. Lucas on Life. Hello, Jeff Lucas here. Welcome to Lucas on Life here on Premier Christian Radio. And here we are on Boxing Day, celebrated annually on the 26th of December. Boxing Day, I think, is a marvellous Christmas tradition for those living in the UK. Why do I like it? Well, Christmas can come and go so quickly, and it's nice to have an extra day. But how did this holiday begin? And does it actually have anything to do with boxing? And the short answer is absolutely nothing. There are a few theories about how Boxing Day began, the most common dating back around 800 years or so. During this period, it was a very common practice for churches to open alms boxes on the day after Christmas, and they would then distribute all the money that had been given among the poor. And to this day, some churches still follow that practice. There's another commonly believed theory that the day after Christmas, Servants of the wealthy used to be allowed to head home to visit loved ones and have some well-deserved time off because, sadly, they'd had to work on Christmas Day. And so those who were wealthy would give their workers a Christmas box and there'd be food and perhaps even a bonus or some gifts to thank them for all their work through the year. And the idea of a Christmas box also lends itself to yet another theory where tradespeople such as milkmen and butchers would visit people's homes and collect money that was given to thank them for their service all year. I can still remember as a kid the knock at the door from the milkman and he would say, Merry Christmas, I've come for my Christmas box, my Christmas gift. So what's all that got to do with our theme, the God of the impossible, the second of these two shows reflecting on that amazing truth? Well, speaking of gifts to the poor, we're considering the truth that the God of the impossible gave a stunning gift to a very poor young woman, Mary. Let's just return to the scriptures for a moment. I'm reading from Luke chapter 1. We read that after the angel Gabriel had appeared to Mary and told her that she was going to give birth to Jesus, here's Mary's response. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's conceived the son and is now in her sixth month for the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Boxing Day, a time for gifts. This story in Luke chapter 1, the announcement of a gift that was absolutely impossible. So we're reflecting on that visitation, the annunciation it's called, when the angel Gabriel showed up and told Mary that she was going to give birth to Jesus. She responded with a question. We read in Luke 1.34, Mary asked the angel, 
but how can this happen? Now, I've been studying angelic appearances in the Bible, and there seems to be a consistent pattern whenever an angel appears to a human being. Step one, the angel of the Lord appears. Step two, a time of screaming begins. There's an ignition of fear in the human being who's being visited, ranging from responding by being dumbstruck to full-blown screaming terror. Step three, the angel says, calm down, it's all right, peace. Step four, the human being calms down. Step five, the angel announces some staggering news, like to Sarah in the Old Testament that she's going to have a baby with elderly Abraham, or Gideon, who's crouched fearfully in a wine press, also in the Old Testament, announcing that he's a mighty warrior, or Zechariah, discovering that his wife Elizabeth is going to give birth to John the Baptist. News that's impossible. Step six, the human being starts arguing or asking questions. And in Mary's case, she simply said, how can this happen? And notice the way the story unfolds, because the highly favoured one becomes the greatly troubled one. And in fact, the words there means that she began to argue back and forth with herself. She had questions. And you would, wouldn't you? She's a young woman, a young virgin. And now she's going to have to tell her fiancé, Joseph, about the fact that she's pregnant. Hi, darling. How was your day? Fine. How was yours? Well. I've got some news. I'm um, pregnant. What was that? I'm pregnant. What? How did that happen? Well, there was this angel. And if you think that I'm speculating here, let's remember that in the Gospel of Matthew, Joseph did think of bringing their betrothal, their engagement to an end. And then what about Mary's parents? They're not mentioned in Scripture. There's a church tradition that their names were Anne and Joachim, but how are they going to respond? Moreover, what about the village? This would mean scandal and danger, because while the death penalty for adultery doesn't seem to have been carried out very often, the story of the woman caught in adultery, found in John's Gospel, shows us that it was still there. Mary had questions, and so do we. But questions don't cancel out faith. Our questions can be pathways to deeper understanding. Our questions can demonstrate that we're not just swallowing wholesale what we've been told simply because someone told us that news, but we are struggling, wrestling, interrogating the truth. Because if it's true, it will stand up to investigation. Let's not be intimidated when we've got questions. They're actually pathways to maturity. As we think about the God of the impossible, let's know that whatever God does in our lives, faith will always be needed. In the story of Gabriel and Mary, we read, I think, the rather chilling words, and then the angel left her. What? Don't leave. Stick around, buddy. I've got to talk to Joseph, explain this to my parents face the potential wrath of the village. You could stay and help me out here. She was alone. And there are times in the journey of faith when we can feel alone as well. Mother Teresa talked about that. 
to the great surprise of a watching world who saw her rightly as the compassionate, sold-out servant of God that she was. But she confessed that there were times when she found what she described as the silence of God almost unbearable. If it seems a little strange to be talking like this, let's reflect on the Psalms, where often the complaint goes like this. Why? How long? Where have you been? A friend of mine recently observed that in giving us the Psalms, God doesn't just invite us to share our pain with him, but he requires it of us. And there are times when we will feel alone. And yet in that aloneness, Mary submitted to God. Mary responded, Luke chapter 1, verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. The word she uses there, you could translate it handmaid or slave girl. She is saying, when I don't understand, when the implications of doing this seem overwhelming, nevertheless, whatever God wants me to do, I will submit to that. And remember, later on, years later, at the wedding at Cana, when Jesus was attending and they ran out of wine, it was Mary who said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. She had learned that through her own experience. Questions, yes. Struggles, yes. But faithfulness, submission as a daily choice. Well, as we've reflected over the last couple of weeks about the truth that God is the God of the impossible, as we move towards 2022, my prayer for us all is that we will have a greater sense of his power and presence as we embark on that journey. Let me also mention that there are daily Bible reading notes that my ministry is producing. They'll be starting on January the 1st, and you can get details about that resource at lifewithlucas.co.uk. Two things remain. The first is, as I come to the end of this year, to thank my colleagues at Premier Christian Radio, and especially my producer, Bradley Howard, who puts up with my meanderings every week, and to wish you, secondly, a very happy new year. See you next year. Lucas on Life.